0: It's a great perspective to be able to see all that and understand from a very specific data-centric perspective what's working, what's not working, what to lean into, and and frankly, what to avoid.
1: Welcome to Virtually Live by Cultura. In this podcast, we'll try to sum up all the latest and greatest in marketing, and specifically in event marketing. To help us do that, we've invited prominent marketing and business leaders to share their most important lessons and give their best predictions for the coming years. Today, Charlie Copeman, Chief Relationship Manager for Virtual and Hybrid Events at Kaltura, talks with the experts at Esri and their partners at Freeman about the influence that live television had on their virtual events format and audience engagement. We'll also look at the successful outcomes it had on their technology and production process.
2: Hi and welcome to Kaltura's Virtually Live. My name is Charlie and I'm Senior Director of Virtual Events at Kaltura. I'm joining you virtually live from the beautiful New Forest National Park in the south of England and joining me for this incredible session is Marianne Cantor, CMO at Esri. Well, hi, Charlie. I'm coming to you
3: virtually live from my home office in Southern California, Irvine, California.
2: Welcome. And we also have Peter Stonia, executive producer, Esri Creative Lab.
4: Hello. I'm coming to you virtually live from the quaint college town of Claremont, California.
2: Awesome. Welcome, Peter. And Ken Hossinger, SVP strategy at Freeman.
0: Thanks, Charlie. I'm coming to you virtually live from the beautiful Eagle, Idaho, an island in the Boise River.
2: Amazing. Welcome to you all, and I'm super excited for the session that we have today together. So, um, Mariana, please, could you tell me a little bit about Esri? I'd be
3: delighted to. Uh, Esri
2: is a 50-year-old privately held software
3: company headquartered in Redlands, California. uh, We're about $1.3 billion annual revenue and serve 350,000 customers worldwide. Uh, We're in the GIS space, which is geographic information systems, which is essentially a set of software capabilities that allow you to map uh, physical and natural environments So you can engage with these um, digital uh, sets of data to do all sorts of amazing analytics, visualization, and decision support. Freeman
0: is a almost 100-year-old privately held company, one of the, I think one of the affinities we have with Esri is the, the family-owned uh, atmosphere. And I think we see eye to eye on a lot of ways that we see the world of business. Uh, we're an, uh, an agency and logistics company that manages events worldwide. Uh, everything from AV and software to, uh, we're most known for our uh, logistics, building booths, laying out show floors, general contracting in the space. And so uh, we've been excited to help with this unexpected transition to uh, to virtual that's happened, but uh, Esri has just been a fantastic uh, a partner and really, as you'll hear today, pushing the envelope of uh, trying new things and, and really experimenting with ways they can engage their user uh, base much more effectively.
2: Thank you so much to both of you. Um, I know that you and your team have really transformed your approach to events over the last two years, as you both um, alluded to. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the journey you've been on so far. Mariana, could you um, begin, please? Of course, yes.
3: Uh, the entire world had to contend with this massive disruption caused by COVID. We had to um, you know, pivot very quickly. Our uh, This happened, I guess, in March or so, and we had our user conference scheduled for that summer. And so we had to pivot very quickly to um, create a virtual event. And, um, you know, we didn't exactly know what we were doing and we pulled together with our partners and internally and just sort of figured out how do we keep that engagement? How do we maintain that continuity uh, with our customers? How do we ensure that the experience is going to provide value? Ultimately, we were amazed at how successful the event was uh, and how widely we could, um you know, expand our reach, you know, normally, and we'll get into a little more numbers later, but normally we attract, you know, 20,000 people to our major user conference, which happens in San Diego in the summer, we were able to attract uh, quadruple that um, uh, virtually so But of course, there were some lessons learned that we'll get into later that um, we did not necessarily achieve, um, you know, the intended um, networking and engagement uh,
2: that we wanted to. Sure. So, um, Peter, I'm going to come to you because I know that you've been at the forefront of transforming these events from um, in-person to digital. And I hear that you've kind of really worked your, your magic here. So could you tell me a little bit about that, please?
4: Well, being on the video team, you're suddenly in this video environment. you know, when we were doing events previously, we would do opening sequences for the events, these like two minute pieces that we would slave over for months at a time, getting every frame right. And then now suddenly we're uh, completely shifting to be a much bigger participant. And the main thing, one of the main things that meant for this event was that we actually created a television show that played during the event, throughout the event, or for at least three days of it. And this was called UC Central Live. And UC Central Live um, didn't run all the time. It ran in between the sessions, between the tech sessions, the plenary, which are the meat of the material. But why did we do this? Why did we have this thing going? Well, you have these 15 minute breaks between the main content and how do you keep people sitting there? They can just, it's virtual, they can get up and leave. So the main goal of this was just to keep people in their chairs between sessions. And uh, how did we do that with this live television show, Um, which it turned out from the numbers and Ken can talk about it, actually did succeed in keeping people watching. Well, first of all, we were live and that was a big part of it. Um, and live meant you can engage authentically your audience. You can do polling and respond to it in real time. If you're live to tape, it's sort of pre-canned and it's fake, but uh, we really were responding to people in real time and we spent a lot of time thinking of polling. So one thing we did with polling was we had people actually vote on what is the software feature we should be working on for our main software uh, out of a list of five? Which should we prioritize and be sure we have done by the time we return next year? And we did that and we implemented the software. Then the following year, we demoed it. So um, audience really shaped the future of the software that way. Another way is by talking about them. Uh, Where are you? people in the audience. And we show a map where we're seeing where all the audience are coming in from. Um, Who are you? Well, it turns out that, uh, you know, 20 percent of you are in this industry and 10 percent of you are in that industry. So we can't talk individually about who's out there, but we can talk collectively. Right. Um, And then we could do very visual social stunts. And, you know, some were more sophisticated, some were really basic. And I thought this was going to be corny, you know, like just your home, uh, you know, uh, take a photo of yourself with your pet and we'll we'll run it on the show. And I was like cringing at this idea. But, you know, we were getting some help from some Good Morning America producers and "Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And actually people dressed their dogs up in all these map uh, map costumes and we ran it. And then there was all this positive social media and I was cringing, but turned out they were totally right. And people like this sort of thing. So um, being live and being able to engage an audience uh, in real time was part of it. But also one of the things I discovered is I would really much rather be live because of the energy. You know, you get um, people just are more on. They're maybe more nervous, but, you know, there's just energy there. And the people we're bringing on, they're not professionals, they're not actors. Uh, and uh, they're uh, often, you know, technical people who can get really in the weeds. But this added layer of live energy really made a difference in terms of how they came across.
0: I, I think it's it, one of the most interesting things about talking about Esri is that we have two years under our belt that we're really talking about. We're talking about the pivot that was made in 2020 and now the uh, the more specific focus that we did uh, in, in this last year and, and the lessons learned. And when it comes to, to measurement, interestingly, uh, because it was all hands on deck in 2020, I actually had the privilege of being the executive producer from the Freeman side to work with Peter and Mariana and their teams. Uh, my, my normal day job is, the, is, is to lead our data science teams. Uh, this year, I was able to focus more on, on that piece, The, the uh, how do we measure? And as we look at year over year, we began to say, okay, not only did these things worked last year, but not just at Esri, but we had a year under our belts of hundreds of events of understanding what was working. We knew, for instance, to Peter's point that live was working better than pre-recorded um, you know on demand type of content we learned that the interactivity was incredibly important and we saw the spikes in activity we understood also that there were some things about 2020 that didn't carry forward through the entire year for instance all of us were in a shared lockdown place in May of 2020 when we began this planning and in July of 2020 when this was happening most of the world was locked down and little did we know that COVID was going to get a lot worse. But at that time, we actually uh, saw incredible engagement across a lot of virtual events. And so by looking at the previous measurements, as well as then looking at the, what happened throughout the year, we were able to work with the team to predict, perhaps uh, these are the things that we're, are going to change. We still saw a major spike in activity in year two, but not quite the spike we saw in year one, but that was, we anticipated that because we saw that in the overall data. And it gave us an opportunity to look at what had happened in their in-person events previously, what had happened in year one of fully virtual, and then anticipate programming and changes and tweaks that might need to be made to optimize year two. And now we're looking at, well, what does year three look like as we enter this environment of both virtual participants as well as in person, and how do we optimize both? So it's a it's a great perspective to be able to see all that and understand from a very specific data-centric perspective what's working, what's not working, what to lean into, and, and frankly, what to avoid. And uh, it, it was a, a, a real uh, pleasure to kind of go through that with eyes wide open because of what we were seeing in the data.
3: What we learned is that uh, in these last two years is that this digital virtual environment is very conducive to reach and inclusion. We've got many more um, women joining. We've got many more international audiences joining. We've just overall quadruple, like I mentioned, our audience in the first year and it fell off, like Ken's saying, in the second year somewhat. Um, but we also learned that uh, we're not doing as effectively as we were in-person business development or networking. So those things we learned need a face-to-face, at least in our business and with our customers in our company, we need face-to-face interactions to reinforce those relationships, to reinforce those connections. But we want both both things. We want to go back to some of the in-person so we can do that maybe rethink how we do that, maybe do more focused executive engagement in person, uh, but
2: also maintain that incredible reach that we got with the digital component. Sure. So I know that you had some kind of great data points on the types of attendees that um, attended, kind of where your your growth came from um, and, and different kind of, you know, level of the folks that attended. And I know that you also focused heavily on... Um, kind of matchmaking and whether that worked or not, and also kind of how you, you know, join people together and, and what worked and what didn't. So I'd love to hear a bit more on those those two topics.
0: So the data sh- showed that we not only reached a broader audience, as Mariana said, but the, the diversity was up and a, an a, international reach, but we reached deeper into the uh, organizations themselves. As you can imagine, the budgets of travel and the time commitment typically are reserved for a managerial audience, et cetera, in most events. This allowed, particularly because of the goals of a user conference, to broaden and reach deeper into the organizations, which really sets up Esri nicely for for the future of building those deeper relationships with people that are a a little bit deeper in the organization, which we can continue to do. One of the things, as you mentioned though, uh, er early on, really, even back into 2019, there were a lot of conversations in the events industry around matchmaking and networking. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's different tools that are being used for AI and various things to to do matchmaking. What we found unequivocally is that that was very difficult to do in uh, a virtual environment. We saw a lot of requests for meetings, but I think we would all agree that two people need to show up to a meeting for that to be counted as, as an actual meeting. And yeah. we saw that uh, not only was a small percentage actually participating in that, but an even smaller percentage of those meetings were actually happening. And rather than looking at that as failure, we basically said, as Mariana mentioned, what are we going to do in the future to make sure that that's an emphasis of our in-person because that works best in that space. But also rather than matchmaking, which is really kind of a an interesting perspective of uh, trying to match people based on likes and interests, we basically found that uh, if we just leaned into the networking on what was happening on chat and bringing experts SMEs closer to the content itself. So, for instance, rather than there being a place for you to go uh, in the interface to go talk to an SME, we brought the SMEs this year right into the links within the sessions themselves. We made uh, a much more transparent way for people to connect, I would say, you know, Mariana and I attending a session together, I'd be, well, that's a great question that she asked or what an insightful comment now I want to connect. And it wasn't based on our titles or uh, even our event goals but really just based on the kinds of things that work in the in-person. So we saw some lift in activity but we now know those are the things, learning is working really well, attending sessions, training, et cetera. But the transactional business opportunities and the serendipitous meetings that happen at, at our face-to-face events just really aren't duplicated in this environment, and that's okay. Let's optimize it for what yeah. it's really useful for.
2: And what about on content recommendations? Because I know that you kind of looked at, uh, at that too. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you kind of recommended sessions for folks to attend or help direct people around the virtual environment? Because we all know that's a challenge from a physical environment to a virtual environment. So how did you address that?
0: Again, having a year's data under our belts was so helpful because Mm -hmm. we were able to stratify the attendees from last year and say, people like this in a persona category seemed to like these types of sessions. And we worked closely with the Esri team, uh, both based on what behavior was, and then also honestly pushing to what behavior we wanted and said, these are the kinds of content recommendations. So Charlie, Mm -hmm. if you logged into the platform this year, you would have been presented with Charlie, people like you who've shared information about your goals and who you are might be interested in looking at sessions like these. And you would accept or say, no, I'm not interested in those recommendations. But we saw over 40% of attendees come in and say, yes, I will accept those recommendations. We automatically populated their calendar and saw some great success in those recommendations. Certainly a lot more to be learned and a lot more to go to get to truly personalized recommendations. But that's just a simple way of using the previous data, stratifying the audience, and really focusing them on the content we want them to be in. And then Esri's amazing MarTech teams then are able to take that information and say what was missing. And after the event had happened live, go back and target through email, through personal communication, through uh, marketing, uh, what sessions that you should catch up on focusing people in on the content that was still available for them to consume
2: incredible i mean from beginning to end i mean obviously we we've spoken once before this and this is such an awesome success story i've already shared your story with some some colleagues and, and picked up from some of the you know the um amazing things that happened through your event and the lessons learned so mariana i guess finally um i want to come to you um if you could just kind of shortly summarize from the lessons learned what are your plans for 2022 Yeah, sure, Charlie. Um, Well, I mentioned some. We're going to try to accomplish
3: both uh, in an integrated fashion. And not only are we looking to integrate the experience between the digital and the in-person, we're also looking to integrate the experience across other digital platforms like our website. So, you know... We're we're not, you know, an event is becoming an experience. It's almost like there is not a single event. There's many experiences that come together for a lasting, you know, impression that you have around the brand and around the company. So um, we're looking at that. We're really thinking about experience first. Um, At the same time, many of our leaders um, at the company at Esri want to get back to seeing their customers. They really are earning to seeing them face-to-face. But again, we're going to um, move forward. We're going to hopefully um, do both and in an integrated fashion. We're also, uh, lastly, I would say thinking about this thing, uh, the before, the during, and the after um for
2: those you know large moments um and uh, hope for the best amazing guys thank you so much for joining us at virtually live it's been such a joy having this conversation with you and we're all super excited to see what comes out of 2022 for you thank you charlie thank you Thanks. thank you so much guys thank you
1: thank you to our guests mariana cantor ken halsinger and peter stonier for joining us today On next week's episode, join Michal Tour, Kaltura's co-founder, CMO, and president, as she speaks with Oracle's EVP and CMO, Ariel Kelman. They'll be talking about the importance of learning from digital touchpoints, relying more heavily on data, and making the entire customer journey virtual. Thanks for tuning in.